Well, as you're seated, I'll tell you, um, <clears throat> and thank you, Emily, for leading us in worship. I, as always, I, multiple people have been asking me lately, uh, what can I do to help our church during this time, right? I mean, everybody's been asking that. And so the, kind of the answer that I've been saying the whole time is I'm like, well, one, um, you can pray for our church. And then two, you can serve our church. And three, you can give. And so I thought that I'd get really creative and create a series called Pray, Serve, Give. And uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And obviously we're at prayer. And I don't think all three of these things are an all-inclusive. I just think they're a good place to start. And they're a good litmus test for the health of a church. And if a church is praying, serving, and giving, uh, it really um, ultimately usually is pretty healthy. Once again, there's some other things that we can include. So I'm going to invite you to stand uh, for the reading of God's Word that comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 36. Acts 16, verses 25 through 36. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And then suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house, and at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailers with the order to release these men. And the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave and go in peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We ask you to bless teaching and preaching this word. May I move so that you can be seen, heard, and experienced. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. So I want to start off today by telling you about a group of ladies in this church that I have extreme respect for. I don't know how many of you know this, but there has been a group of ladies who about one to two years ago, I need to ask a certain time frame, but, but um, they, they, anyway, they started praying for our church. Uh, when our church is really going through a lot of the heaviness that it, it, it has dealt with, uh, they decided they want to get together and start praying weekly for our church on Tuesdays. And so they've been doing that consistently every single week, praying for staff, praying for clergy, praying for the denomination, praying for you, praying for the congregation. And, um, and that, that group has expanded. That group is bigger and meets in what I call the mini chapel. We actually have a chapel devoted to prayer called the prayer chapel beside our other chapel. We're so blessed in this church, aren't we? And, uh, and so they've been meeting and praying, and I'm sure they'd love to have you join them. But I actually want to thank, publicly thank those ladies this morning. They don't want any recognition, but I just want to thank them because of the, the good work and prayer that they have done. I don't know how many of them are here. I know one or two are up here, or three on, on the front. But are, how many of the ladies are here? Are y'all, y'all just raise your hand if you've been here praying. I see, like, I see Lee, I see you guys. Do y'all mind, I, I know it's not about y'all, would y'all mind just standing, and I just want to thank you for what you've done for the church. We all just stand, and we just want to thank you for praying for our church, because they have been incredibly faithful. Um, thank y'all. I know you don't want the recognition, but I want y'all to see who they are, and, um, and if you're interested in praying 
come see one of these ladies and talk with them because I'm sure, once again, they'd love to have you come. Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. And by the way, I got to meet with them because they said, hey, we want to do a, some sort of prayer service with the church. And I'm like, man, that's great. Or maybe a prayer walk. And so we're going to do something like that in the fall. But I want you to know tonight that they're actually going to meet here. And I hope my family's going to join them. They're going to meet here at 7 o'clock and walk around the church seven times and pray for the church. We hope the walls don't fall down. That's not the goal. The goal is for the, the metaphorical, like maybe the, the spiritual walls that need to come down, fall down, right? Um, but, but no brick walls. Um, but, but tonight at 7, 7 o'clock, we'll just be walking around the church and we'll have maybe a list of some things to pray for. And we'd love to have you. Um, I, I think it'll be a powerful time. We've got we to really get busy not just talking about praying, but praying. I actually told them, I said, I, I don't think we have time to, to plan that. We can't market it. And, and they were like, well, we're going to do it anyway. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll be there. Um, so I, I hope, hope, that you, hope that you come to that. So why do we want to pray in the church? Well, you know, you may say that's obvious is what the Bible tells us to do, and you're exactly right. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says to pray without ceasing. If you look at Ephesians 6.18, it says pray in all times through the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. James 5.16 says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Philippians 4.6 says be anxious about nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication present your request to God. Mark 11.34 says therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it'll be given to you and seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. But perhaps the greatest thing about prayer is this the greatest tool apart from the Holy Spirit with the most power that the Christian has been given. Prayer has been given to us as a tool to tap into the Holy Spirit, to work with God, to accomplish the Almighty. Prayer is the way maker. It's the trailblazer. It's the chain breaker. Prayer should always lead everything that we do. We should never lead prayer. We should never step into a spot and then pray that God blesses it. We should always pray, where does God want us to step into? And then step where he's leading. And then once we get there, then we know that he's blessed it because he led us to it. Too often we try to lead prayer instead of letting prayer lead us. I'm convinced that multiple times in my life, um, prayer has been a saving grace. We should always pray, even if it's last minute, even if you're going into the situation and you're literally praying as you go into it. I have done that many times. I don't know about you. I'm literally dealing with something and in the process of it, I'm like, I better ask the Lord for discernment on this because I have no idea how to, how to, how to deal with it. I remember specifically one time I was in high school and I was, I was driving home from, from high school and I stopped at a stop sign. I was getting ready to pull out into the road and I looked right and I looked left and I looked right and I just decided to pull out. And about the time I pulled out, I looked over and kid you not, there was a car that was about to T-bone me. And I remember I yelled out, Lord, save me or Lord, help me. It was some the words like that. And it literally seemed as though the car went through me. I'm still convinced to this day that that car went through my car because I screamed out to the Lord to save me. I really believe the Lord is, is when you cry out to him, he hears you and will save you and will deliver you. There's so many times when I've gotten into something and I've gone, gosh, Lord, I don't really know what I need to be doing, a difficult conversation or a difficult situation, and I try to pray and ask him to be with me. This morning, I was running on the swamp rabbit. I was like, I, I got there, I don't know, pretty early, and I was running. There was another guy, and I saw him, and he had, he had a stroller, 
okay, with a little child in it. And so I'm running past him, and I'm watching him, and he's getting ready to run, like he's getting the, he's actually got a bottle, like he's, 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 he's like getting the child ready. And, and so I just kind of paid attention, and, and, uh, and I noticed that he had a, an Iron Man tattoo on his calf. And so I keep on running, and then I hear these footsteps behind me, and I realize that it's the man with the stroller. And I prayed. I was like, Lord, please don't let a man with a stroller pass me. I was like, please, whatever you do, let me beat this man. And so I was huffing and puffing, and, and, and I finally got to a point where I really thought he was going to pass me. I said, Lord, I'm going to turn around. So I turned around and acted like I wanted to go the other way. So I was not going to let him pass me. That's a random story. But sometimes you just need to pray while you're in the situation, you know. So Lord, help me. You know, a lot of times I prayed, and then a lot of times I failed to pray. Um, I tried to do things in my own strength and in my own power. I, I thought I had it covered, and then I fell on my face. Uh, I've hurt myself, harmed myself, said dumb things because I haven't taken the time to ask the Lord. I don't know if you can relate to this, and you just jump right in. Try to do it in your own strength, in your own power, in your own mind, your own opinions, or the opinion of others. I think I've hope the like to think that I've had enough experience to know that our church needs to be praying right now, that we need to be praying diligently about what we're going through. Not, not that we've arrived or that we've gotten somewhere, and it's great that we've had folks praying, but right now we need to be praying about the future because the enemy loves to attack you when you think that you finally arrived somewhere and you go, well, I'm just going to, okay, I'm kind of done praying. I got there. Thank you, Lord. And you move on about your business until something hits the fan again, and then you start praying. We need to be praying on the front end. We need to have proactive praying, not reactive praying. Too many of us have reactive prayer, not proactive prayer. We're asking the Lord to lead and to bless something. Our, our, our battle, the Bible says, is not against flesh and blood. And I really believe what we've faced over the past few years is a spiritual battle. There's landmines of sin everywhere, and we have to be careful about where we step. The enemy is still active. He loves to attack someone in bondage, but he really loves to attack someone who thinks that they've been set free from something, especially people who have been set free through salvation. Watch out if you're a new believer because the enemy loves to attack you. The Bible tells us that's what happened to Jesus. He went until he got baptized, and he goes into the wilderness. The enemy's right there, right after his baptism. We have to remember that our baptized children are vulnerable, that new believers are vulnerable, that, that mature Christians are vulnerable. We're all vulnerable. But prayer is the key that unlocks the power of the Spirit. It releases and relinquishes the magnificent power of the Almighty. Prayer brings the Spirit from the dugout onto the field. Prayer brings the, the, the Spirit from the sidelines to the line of scrimmage. There's a spiritual war taking place between the flesh and the spirit, and prayer goes directly to the great intercessor, Jesus, who has the power to intercede to our Father on our behalf and actually do something about it. See, Paul and Silas, and Silas was the one who was on the second missionary journey with Paul, if you don't recognize his name. He's on the second missionary journey with Paul, and Paul and Cyrus had been doing so much good for the kingdom. But if you read about it, all their work was rooted in prayer. They were actually looking for a place to stop and to pray. They were look, it says that they were looking. So actually, they went and there was no, where they ended up, there was no synagogue. And so they ended up going where everybody prayed, which was down by the river, because they needed to recharge. They needed to recharge their spiritual battery. You ever seen one of those recharging stations for cars now? It's really weird. I, I, was, um, I was, out of all places, I was in Florence. And saw a recharging place, and I'm not picking on you from Florence, but I was in Florence, and I was like, well, man, they got a recharging station in Florence, South Carolina. There were no cars at it. it might tell me something. But I looked at it, and I thought, gosh, so you got to make it from one recharging station to the next. 
What if you had prayer recharging stations in places? I mean, what if you could pull over and get somebody to pray for when you were in need of prayer? Where is that? Well, it should be the church. It should be the house of Christians. It should be small groups. It should be Sunday schools. It should be Bible studies. It should be marriages. It should be households. It should be family tables. We should recharge ourselves with prayer. So Paul and Silas are recharging, and, and they're in Philippi, where no synagogue is. They're down by the riverside, and they're praying, and somebody got saved while they were there, and then their entire household got saved. This was before the jailer, which tells us something about prayer. And then they were headed to pray again, and somebody ran into them who was possessed by a spirit. So they decided they were going to heal this person who was possessed by a spirit, and when they did, they got arrested. Arrested for praying for somebody. Think about this, how lucky we are. And so they go to prison, and what are they doing in prison? Well, they're doing the same thing again. They're praying. In fact, the Bible says that they were praying and singing hymns. They were praying and singing hymns. Now, it doesn't say they were trying to chisel their way out. It doesn't say they were trying to make a plan to get out. It doesn't say they were begging to the jailer. It doesn't say they were complaining about the situation. It says that they were praying and they were singing. They were arrested. It didn't have air conditioning in the prison. It wasn't three meals a day with cable TV and, and weightlifting. Like, it was a bad, bad place. And, and, and they were praying and singing hymns. Did you know that when you're in trouble, a good thing to do is, one, to pray and also to sing? Like, it's really therapeutic to sing. Like that's why we sing hymns in here a lot of times. It's funny, sometimes people say, y'all should sing hymns in contemporary worship. I'm like, we sing hymns every week. Um, like, hymns are on your heart. I, I can think of songs that I sang growing up that every time I sing them, it just takes me back to sitting on the back pew of Jackson Grove United Methodist Church. Uh, they're written on our heart, and there's great theology and music if you listen And so you sing, but pay attention to what you're singing because it tells a story of theology. And then we should pray. And so two tools that God has given us we're in trouble is to pray and to sing. Now, what if you can't sing well? Well, I'm there. Um, I still sing. Now, be careful who's listening. Uh, But you still sing. But because God God has given you a spirit to sing with, you cry out to God. You, You sing praise to God. See, the Bible says that when you don't know what to pray, if you're going, well, I don't really know how to pray, the Bible says that the Spirit will yearn for you, that it'll cry out for you, that God's given you a Spirit that you can cry out to God, that you don't have to know what to say. You just get before God. You get alone before God. Maybe you sing, and you just sit there, and you sit in silence, and, and you just listen to God, and you get in His presence, and God begins, begins to, to, can, can begin to heal you. But sometimes you just got to get away from everybody. Anybody have that trouble? You just can't get away. Like you, you take your phone and all that. You sometimes you just need to get away and just be with God. The text doesn't say it directly, but I, I think the prayer and the singing is what led to what happened next. It's Acts sixteen twenty six says suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking and all at once, listen, the prison doors flew open. Listen, and everyone's chains came loose. The prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Say that with me. The prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Prayer opens doors and loosens chains. Prayer is is the bolt cutter and and the key to the door. it's, It's what breaks things free. 
the jailer was going to kill himself. The jailer's like, man, I messed up. This is my job. My life's on the line. So he's like, I'm just going to kill myself. And they said, wait, don't kill yourself. We're here. Which what that tells me is that they didn't run. The doors flew open and they didn't run. They didn't bolt because they didn't have to. Because God opened the doors. And if God opened the doors, God was going to protect them. And so they sat in the presence of their Savior and they go, God's got us. Why run? And so instead of running, they actually witnessed to the jailer. They said, let us tell you what happened. It's because of our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ that these doors were open and these chains were broken. And the jailer goes, tell me more. What must I do to get saved? And he goes, man, and they tell him, and he goes, hey, he and his whole household got saved. They went to his house. You talk about prayer changing things. The very person that had you in prison is the person you sit down at their dinner table with and he bandages your wounds and he actually just sits at your feet and thanks you. And his whole household got saved? Wow, we work so, so hard to break the chains and open the door, and, and, but, but prayer is the one that goes before us to do those things. Prayer reorients us to know who holds the power. It reminds us to relinquish the trust and the control to God and not into ourselves. We're reminded through prayer that God works all things for the good of those who love him. It reminds us no matter how bad it is or how dangerous it is or how ugly it gets or how broken we are, that prayer reorients us to remind us that God holds all things in his hands. Romans 8.28 says that we know that in all things, God works for the good, for the good, for the good, for the good. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. For the good. He works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28, he works for the good of all of us, no matter the difficulty, but we must lead with prayer. Prayer comes from a heart that yearns for Jesus. The Spirit will intercede if we don't know what to pray. Once again, God has given us that as a tool. Prayer is a direct line. It, it's, it's a phone that the bill's already been paid for, the minutes are covered, that you pick up, and God is on the other end. Not only is he just there, but he will respond. Hey, Dad, I'm in trouble. I'll be there. He's there. He's our Father. Now, before I wrap all this up, I, I, I want you to know um, this is really important what you can be praying for this church at this time in this season. I think it's important that we collectively pray together for certain things. Um, it's good for all of us to be praying about what all we need from different areas, but I think we all need to pray collectively I think there's something powerful about coming together corporately and praying something collectively. Um, we, you've heard me say this before. I've done it here before. I've listed these things, but our ministry leaders and our staff, it's called our, our, our ministry leadership team and our staff got together and we worked through what we felt like the church needed to be praying for. And so there's five things. And I'm gonna, exp I'm gonna ex expand, expound upon these things really quickly um, and and maybe, I'll, maybe I'll get a letter out to the church so you, so you know all these things at some point and, and you have them on your fridge or wherever. But number one is vision, that we have a God-led vision for the church. We have a vision and discernment committee that's meeting every other week right now, developing our vision and values. Um, pray for that committee. We want to pray for clarity and for focus. These are the things the laity and staff came up with to expand upon it. So God-led, vision and discernment, committee, clarity and focus. Number two is children and youth. We're starting the process of hiring a children and youth director, two, two positions. Um, pray for engagement with our children and youth because they're critical to this church. It's an understatement. Pray for the new hires and pray for programming. Number three is staff. 
I like these. Pray for strength, for courage, for wisdom, for leadership, for unity, and for rest. One big fat amen. I'll say it again. Strength and courage and wisdom and leadership and unity and rest. And then number four is finances. Um, like Emily said, there's no better time to give than now, right? There's no better time. This is the time to give so that we can get this ship moving. Um, generosity. Pray for the church to be generous. Pray for wisdom about how to spend our finances. Pray for direction and vision about how to uh, budget, etc. And then pray for planning, just that we are wise about planning how we spend, who we hire, etc. during this time. And then lastly, volunteers and leaders. Uh, we need volunteers. We need leaders. we got to create systems to retain those and, and assimilate those. But we need dedication. We need willingness to serve. We need a plan to recruit. We need commitment. We need the right people in the right place at the right time. So if you would join us in praying for those five things, maybe we'll be praying for some of those tonight as we circle this church. And I'd love to have you come be a part or join these ladies. The last thing I'll say is there's a story of the persistent widow. And I said it a couple of weeks ago, but this, this widow that comes before the judge, and he's an unrighteous judge, and she comes before him and she just asks him over and over and over for something. And I love the story because basically the judge just goes, gosh, you've been asking me so many times, I want to give it to you. And I think about that story often, and I don't, quite understand all the theology behind it, but I believe that we're supposed to ask for righteous things from the Lord. And I think if we ask him over and over for something that God will give it to us, if it's within his will, if it's not, he won't. So why not ask for the things that we need in order to accomplish the work of his kingdom? And so I would invite you today to come up and to pray for these things, to, to list them, and, and maybe once again, we'll send them out to you and come pray with us tonight. And let's circle the building, and let's break down any walls that are keeping us from um, just being the people God has called us to be. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you. You are a wonderful and awesome God who has given us so much. One of the greatest gifts you ever gave us, Lord, perhaps the greatest gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that yearns for us, cries out for us, and we just ask you, Lord, that we pray, Father, to you and through the power of the Spirit, Lord, that we can move mountains. It's through your work. It's through your hands. It's only through you that things can be done. And, Lord, may we always go to you first. May you show us what's important. May you make our priorities fall in place here as a church, Lord. May you give us just clarity, open ears, open eyes, and open hearts to know what you have for us. As we invite our congregation forward to pray for and over this place. I just pray that you hear our prayer. That's all we ask. And finally, Lord, we know that all this is only possible through knowing you, believing in you, repenting of our sin, confessing our sin, repenting of our sin, inviting you into our heart, receiving the gift of the Spirit, and having access to our Heavenly Father through the death sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, the whole church said...